It's the Daily Talk Show, episode 426. It's Fat Friday and we have Zoe Foster-Blake in the studio. Hello. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good to be here. We've, um, we've brought out a bit of a spread. Yes. Fat Fridays for us is where we just get to let loose. Sometimes <laughs> it bleeds into the weekend, which is most weekends. You know, when you just start something and you just don't stop. Yes, yes. Um, this is it. Just quickly running you through the Fat Friday spread. Mm-hmm. Uh, these cookies here. My wife baked them for Are us last me? night. That is so sweet. Peanut butter, yes. chocolate chip. Um, cookies. Yes. I tried them. So they're all <laughs> yeah, good. They're yeah. Clear. Yeah, they're so. clear. I mean, I mean, I'm in the doghouse because I made the fridge stink yesterday. So you said you ate the cookies. I went out for a coffee this morning <laughs> and I got back and he's like, I've already eaten one. So <laughs> I can't complain. Well, literally, what do you think of the smell of incense? Do you like incense? It's okay. It depends how much, I think, is the mm-hmm. main thing. Has it like got a, a subtle waft is okay. Has it got a triggering memory for you? Oh, my mum still burns it. Uh, okay. Yeah, she sends it to me. Yeah, and so Tommy's mum gave us this 40-year-old incense. <laughs> oh, okay. And because I've got, like everything in life, I've got no portion control, so I try like <laughs> six of them at a time and see mm. how much we too can much. get around. And so it's too much. And so uh, Mr. 97, and you're getting used to nicknames, the reason why he's Mr. 97, can you guess? I don't want to. Say, okay, well, he got a, a hunch. No, well, no, he got a 97 enter score. Oh, like I wasn't going to say score. that. Mate, like, I was going to say something else. Oh, was really? it more relating to, to his age? Buddy mm-hmm. Franklin <laughs> reference? No, that's no, maybe when he was born. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, I actually, most people think it is because he is only 19. Baby, so yeah. it's actually quite close to the yeah. to the age, right? Um, the other part of our spread, uh, Basil. What we found with Fat Fridays is... Uh, we <laughs> you just said Basil, <laughs> which makes no I'll get back to it. We get sent food and Basil... Um, te- uh, messaged me and said, mate, I've got these things. I need you guys to have them for Fat Fridays. Okay. Mm-hmm. Along those lines. And Sounds he's brought urgent. in. urgent, yes. <laughs> box brownies. This mm. is a, a Melbourne company that they make these amazing, mm. amazing brownies and, of course, another amazing company, uh, Hey Tiger. Very familiar. Big fan. So feel free to grab or not to grab. So you um, you saw a movie last night. It's the Is it the Quentin Tarantino one? Of course. Okay. Yes. And they go for like extremely long period of time. Oh, yeah, it was really long. And I haven't actually gone, I must see that movie on the day it comes out for a while. Mm. But the, the whole cinema was packed. I haven't, mm. also haven't seen that for a while. Yeah. To be honest, I thought it came out months ago because they did the US press yeah. at release and there was all these promos. Yeah. And I just saw it came out last week yeah, or yeah. something. Today, yesterday. Uh, yesterday, yeah. 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 Yeah, and so Zoe, you are the founder of GoTo Skincare. You do the you're the chief creative officer. <laughs> yes. Uh, the PR stuff that you do in regards to like, I find that you're uh, in one week you'll be everywhere, and I feel like that would be extremely exhausting in regards, to like, say, a book coming out, or oh. is that like a, str- a, a strategy to actually just like bulk it all? Oh well, I. Pretty much my policy is only do press if you've got something out mm-hmm. because there are opportunities to do press the whole year round if you're interested and I think you've got to preserve goodwill <laughs> with the people that care about what you're doing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I do blocks and it's product launch based or book launch based and then I go under Yeah, and I hide and I do work again. So <laughs> what, what's the what's the work in the hiding? I mean, you're writing obviously. but Oh, actually not writing it currently. I'm really into like go-to needs me at the moment. So mm. we're doing, we've got a big thing coming out very soon and um, it's a big growing company and there are a lot of, I'm in charge of all new product development and marketing and so always things to do. And we're, we're in the US now, so that's a big beast as well. It, I mean, from the outside, it, it's a fun brand. Is it fun on the inside? I know you're yes. biased. It is your baby. <laughs> I Well, I worry about that because I, I still feel very much like it's fun. 
<clears throat> pardon me, but I hope that that flows through to all of our employees. Mm. And because our office and our warehouse is in Sydney and I'm in Melbourne, I do feel a bit disconnected, but I'm on, obviously in touch with my staff every day and, and I have the managers in there that look after the culture and the people, but um, I really do hope that they're enjoying themselves. Do you have a certain certain signs that you know the company is doing well from a cultural point of view if X, Y and Z is happening? Um, I think it's a very pertinent question at this time because we've just grown a lot in a small amount of time and there's that saying that when you scale, you go stale and you lose your culture and your mojo and I actually read Small Giants on your recommendation oh, yeah. to Hamish and it's an excellent book about companies, small companies, and they don't even have to stay small, but just retaining that culture and mojo, which is the spark. And it's that mm. thing that people go, I'm interested in this company and I want to work for this company or I want to know what they're doing and they keep an eye on you because you're doing stuff that's fun and exciting. Mm. So my job really as founder, as well as trying to keep the new products coming out and, and all of that other stuff is to make sure that our people that work within the company feel proud mm. and they feel like they're successful because they're doing a good job for a good company. Um, we've talked about, I mean, and this week I think we've had like a, a lot of, we went to Gary V and this guy, Grant oh, yeah, Cardone, Monday. I love Gary. Interesting. It's <laughs> refreshing to hear a different take on things, but yeah. it is, it's very American. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? So they're very big, big thinking. I took away from it that thinking big, there's nothing wrong with that. No. Mm. When when you have a small business, and I've, I've had multiple, and they're still small, <laughs> but we just called the, our, our company big media companies. That makes us I feel like a bit that. It's bigger. self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. But, I, but I think the sort of that mentality of staying small because you could go, you know, the, the thought around, oh, if we get bigger, we lose the, the personal touch. Mm. But if it becomes successful, if it resonates with an audience, it will become Bigger, so it's mm. a really it's a hard one. I remember Josh when you were the when you were young, you didn't want to earn too much money because you didn't want to have to pay yeah. too, too much about tax. the tax. tax bill. <laughs> I mean, I don't think I, I think it was uh, yeah. I don't know eighteen eighteen k a year. I don't think I was paying any at that but point. Do we trap? Do we trap ourselves with this thinking now that you've got something that has become big? Mm. Have you? What's the shift for you personally? Um, sorry, just to really define what question you're asking. Yeah, so the thinking big, have you have you seen a shift in what you classify as thinking big and what you can actually achieve? Well, I am not a big thinker by nature and I don't do plans and forecasts and three and five year plans. And I think that's probably considered a shitty way to do business. Um, but I don't think you can change how you're wired. And so mm. for all my life, whenever they're like, what's your plan? Where do you see yourself? I can't answer that. And my honest answer is I, I really believe if you're doing good work today and this week and this hour and if you send an email that is e excellent mm. and if you if you do a presentation that's really good and you put everything into it and you just work on that press, press release and make sure that that's perfect or that that product's as best as it can be, then that other shit will take care of itself. So it, it's a tricky one to be in because as the founder you're meant to drive the vision and you're meant to make sure that the company is going in the right direction and I hope that I'm doing that instinctively because I'm focusing on the now and just doing good work. And that that will flow on because I think that that's how it will take care of itself. But if you said to me, where do you want GoTo to be in five years? I have no idea. Yeah. And I, and I, and I kind of like that because it's ne even, I reckon even if you plan it, you can't plan yeah. it. Yeah. Well, you can bring it down to some, you know, I want it to be a, a great culture and fun. So these yeah. are like um, value sets. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. not necessarily destination set, you know, no. destination. Is it conducive to getting investment or things like that? Or do you have to reframe those other business conversations if you – maybe success doesn't look like being super, super big? Well, we're not looking for investors actually and I think that's a that's not 
a pop, maybe a popular or a, th- a thing that a lot of people are doing because I think particularly in the American market, that's what people want straight mm. away. Um, we're not looking for investors, so we're, we're small and private and we can still act, you know, internally and do what we need to do and, and, and I like that. I like having that control. So we're not beholden to anyone in that sense. Yeah. Um, so what, how we choose to go and what we choose to do is uh, there's a lot of guesswork, mm. of course, but we've now got – we're bringing in people that are very experienced and, and helping us because I believe in outsourcing the skill sets that you're not good at to people who are very good at it. Yeah, I guess so. on the other side of the train tracks you've got Jules Lund with <coughs> investors and, you know, he has to tell them where he's going, yeah. mm-hmm. which I, I would feel a huge oh, pressure God, stress, yes. for that, you know. And I, I don't even know where I'm going well, tonight. I guess I've got it. no idea. Today. Like stakeholders, you, even if you don't have investors, you'll still have stakeholders, yeah. I guess. Mm-hmm. What was the conversation with, like you've had some great success going into the US and getting into Sephora and things like that. What did you, what did you learn in that experience about how you communicate? Um, well, when we went into, when we made the decision to go into Sephora in the States, I had a five day old baby and was still in hospital oh. and the email came through from my managing director at the time. And he was like, I know I'm not meant to be emailing you, but I think you're going to want to know this one. And <laughs> to me, Sephora in the States was always like a pie in the sky. Like it was, mm-hmm. you'd made it. On reflection now, like seeing how hard the American market is and, and what a small company we are, you know, we probably sort of thought that through a bit more and, and before you go into a huge market like the US have a bit more of a plan. We're now we have that plan and we're yeah. doing that, we're executing that. But when it came to Mecca in Australia, that was a no brainer and that mm. had a lot more thought around it and strategic planning. Did they like Sephora, like I've had uh, friends who have sold products, like they've been tech products and they've gone into the the big box chain sort of um, stores in the US. And they get squeezed so much on the mm. margins that it gets to a point where it's like, actually, we're not Isn't making that it? much money in here. Yeah. Is, is that part of the, the thought oh, process? Oh, certainly the marketing value of, and the story is really important. And I, I think w- whatever happens to us in the US and, and however that ends up, I still believe that being seen in the US was a big deal for us. Mm-hmm. And the, the value of that story for us back in, at home, but also for us to get that initial press and that story for the press over there was really valuable because mm. Sephora is like a, a t- tip of the hat. You've made yeah. it. They want you. Mm. So we're working really hard with Sephora now to make sure that we can deliver what they need and, and um, we're, we're, we're going to do our best. What does that look What does that actually look like? <laughs> well, look, uh, it's a really long conversation and it's, it's something that I think <clears throat> perhaps we were so – we're so – we're doing well in Australia and we're loved and we have a profile here and I have a profile here. But, of course, we were nothing over there. Mm. And I sort of love that challenge because it, it means that people took the skincare at face value. It wasn't like, oh, Zoe's made something. It was like, what's this peach stuff? Talk me through yeah. it. So I, I relish the challenge of that. But um, it's a huge market. Mm. So many people. So many people. And so many skincare companies doing brilliant, yeah. brilliant stuff. And because I'm based here. So, look, long story short, we're going to get uh, a lot busier over there and – and we have some other new things coming out that I think will really help that's differentiate ex- us. That's exciting. Yeah. So um, the American market, I mean, us learning from these Americans on Monday, is there something that you've learned from that experience dealing with American business people? Different. Yeah. Well, it's different. It's, it's, it's different even in terms of marketing and how we, how we operate in Australia and in terms of like our, you know, no influencer policy, for example. Can't do that in America. 
you have to change. So what does that mean? What's that no influencer policy? Well, we just like? don't pay influencers to mm-hmm. talk about GoTo here. Um, we're lucky enough that we don't need to. Yeah. But in America, it's a different business model. And, you know, there's just not much organic happening over there. So you mm. have to do paid. And and that for me as a person going, no, but I believe the product mm. is good enough that we shouldn't have to pay people mm. to talk about it. Yeah. Bye. So you just have to realign things for each market. And I like learning all of this stuff. I think it's important and it gives you a more ho- holistic approach approach to business and will even help us back here as well. Was that a rule early days, like, you know, before? Yeah. Well, I mean, we launched in 2014 and Instagram is still sort of not really nowhere near where it was now. Mm -hmm. Um, We happen to have cute packaging and cute copy Mm. and that sort of did a lot of the heavy lifting for us. But um, people like the product and they want to talk about it. Mm. So that's just worked really well for us. We've been lucky enough to hit the word of mouth. Yeah, um, I mean that's what you want, right? Yeah, yeah. and 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 we we value that, and we value the customer with a hundred followers because she's dedicated and, and and loyal to the product and and really likes it and speaks about it so beautifully and wholeheartedly. We'd ra- we like dealing with her and talking to her mm. because it's honest and and powerful. Meaningful. So, uh, so an an ecom first business. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, you're <laughs> <doing> right. <laughs> the, an ecom first business. Uh, what do you get out of uh, having partnerships and relationships with? Uh, big companies like Mecca. Yeah, amazing. So the reach and the broad. Um, w- I mean, we we were doing we were having a great time just doing DTC um, for GoTo for five years. We always knew we'd go into retail or bricks and mortar, and Mecca was the obvious choice. Um, we love the way we, they had to align with what we do, which is mm-hmm. education first. We want women to feel confident, and men and whoever else are using skincare. Um, and Mecca do an excellent job of that. Their staff are fantastic at educating you when you're going there. But for us it was just going, well, people who know about GoTo know how to find us, but we want to get to that next level where people who've never heard of us can find us. Mm-hmm. So we have a really amazing, hardcore, beautiful, loyal following of GoTo followers and they will always be there, but we wanted to show other people about the brand and Mecca with a beautiful vessel for that. And when you're doing those sort of deals, how much of that is you leading it versus people within your business leading oh, yeah, that? I'm not. Yeah. No, I mean, we do those prelims where I'm like, I make the call and go, I, this is the right one for us. And mm-hmm. I, I believe in the company and I really like Mecca and Joe and have for a long time. Um, it was just about timing more mm-hmm. so. And, and so, yeah, then I handed over to the contract people. Yeah. What <laughs> did, you what guys did, fight it out. What did you want to do? When, what did you want to be when you were growing up? Uh, a copywriter. Um, which was a weird thing for a, a girl in a very rural area in, in, in New South Wales. But I just had this idea of wanting to write advertising copy and then did a terrible stint of work experience and put a hat on that and was like, no, that's not for yeah. me. Um, and then I just I knew that I liked writing and I just didn't really even care where. So once I finished uni, I just applied for like a, at a fishing magazine, at a golf magazine, Ralph magazine, whatever it would take me. I didn't even really understand what the roles were. Like what is a sub-editor? I don't know, I'll apply. What was the work experience like? Um, well, it was, it, was, it was just it was underwhelming in yeah. one word. I, I did. I did some time at Novotel because I thought I might want to work in hospitality management. Mm. I ended up cleaning spoons for a week. <laughs> Polishing, sorry. With vinegar? <laughs> with vinegar? <laughs> no, just no. I thought they put vinegar on them so they don't yeah. like stain. Maybe so, the park yeah. Well, it's actually been a huge. <laughs> <laughs> the park I mean, yeah, yeah. Tommy, Tommy doesn't realise the amount of tension the whole vinegar <laughs> thing has because uh, he left uh, probably like it looked like a four-week old meal in yeah. the f- fridge yeah. which had completely gone mm. uh, disgusting. Rancid. 
and mm. it was yeah it was basically stinking out the whole office so mr 97 3D Dill and I last night were trying to make oh, this. Oh, yeah, because it requires three <laughs> adults to cater to that. Yeah, and so anyway, we're fighting over whether to use vinegar or bicarb soda. I think it's, well, either. But we ended up going with the bicarb <laughs> yeah, soda. Yeah, bicarb seems um, to be classic. Yeah. So you're, you're cleaning spoons. Cleaning spoons. And then I worked at a modelling agency and I have no idea why. I don't, I still don't know why my, I think they also managed, um, artists and my father's an author and they managed him and and so I just sat there for a week looking at beautiful women coming in and go why mm. what did I think I would be one of them what why am I here because I found it glamorous anyway I did end up working in women's magazines yeah. there was something about writing in glamorous yeah. women that fit together um, but I worked at kids mags and music mags and so on before I got there yeah. well, I think like all those steps right even you know working working at the Novotel into the next they're all like these we're falling over into the next part of our journey. Mm. I did do a proper internship when I was at uni, though, at a magazine, at a publishing house, and that was probably useful, mm. actually useful, because I was a proper intern doing copy and writing and so on. So when we're younger, <laughs> we we probably have more. I mean, we're we're probably open to making more of those f- fumbles and stumbles along the way. When when you're getting to finding your thing and, and yeah. you found you've written your first book and then you're starting go to, does it feel like you lose that? ability to be able to go, oh, I'm going to now go over there. Because when you've got not no. much happening, you can't, you can go anyway. Yeah. But when you have more no. going on. I don't care what the project is. Cause, and it's hard because people go, hang on, what do you do? Like sometimes when I do press, they're like, and what are you here for? <laughs> like, <laughs> what have you done? Like what, what field are you in? Because I write about relationships or beauty and I make products and so on and kids stuff. But um, <clears throat> I don't think you should, no, box yourself in at mm-hmm. all. If there's a project that excites you, do it. Yeah. And so like even with the wrong girl doing some TV writing and so on, it was really a, just an amazing avenue to be able to dip my toe into that and see if I wanted to mm. do TV writing um, in the most obviously privileged way, which is it was your book and there was a room full of incredible writers to sort of help you and play with you. And they did all the work. I just sat there. But um, yeah, no, I don't, the, pro- the project can be anything. I think you should yeah. always try new things and, and never just go, well, I'm just this or I'm just this. I love that it, because it's the opposite of stay in your lane, right? Because mm. I think a lot well, of it. But I think you need to know what your superpower is because yeah. that yeah. goes yeah. through yeah. everything. Yeah. It, it yeah. feeds through all of those things. So it's mine like is the obviously, through line, right? Yeah, the yeah. writing is yeah. the thing. Mm. And I, I honestly use projects. Like I think because I still wanted to be a copywriter, so mm. I think mm. I use projects just to write copy. I actually think. I made go-to just to write the copy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's your Instagram account, right? It's like <laughs> yeah, okay. people, it's like the Playboy magazines. People read it for the captions, not for the photos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't it's worry got... about the photos. <laughs> um, if I mean, only there was a social media medium we didn't have photos. Yeah. <laughs> it's a cesspit. It's called Twitter. <laughs> I mean, yeah, why is Twitter so fucked? Oh, it's angry, isn't it? I'm not really on there anymore. Yeah. No. I mean, because it it's something that links out to a bunch of stuff. So it's got this element of... Everyone, I guess, needs to have an opinion on there. Mm. Uh, your relationship with social media, how do you keep it being this something that is positive versus, I mean, I retired for social media for six months because I was like, <laughs> it was meant mm. to be forever, but then I got he's, over he's it. He's back with vengeance. Is yeah, he? yeah, oh, going yeah. quite hard at the Photograph moment. Food yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we don't even talk about it. That's a private account. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, what is your relationship with social media? Um, I have chosen to view it as positive and as chiefly work-based. Um, I think the, like, I feel like there's some trick we don't know about because Instagram just seems like as someone who's creating things and asking Mm. people to spend money on them, having a a billboard like that is 
ridiculous and mm. it's free. Yeah, yeah. And I just get to talk to people and engage with them and write stuff and play with them and, and talk, you know, recommend things, you know, and have that digital back fence that I really craved and which is why I started blogging in 2006 just to have that dialogue. Um, so I, I choose to view it as something that is purposeful and useful for me. Mm. I don't. I, I do put up photos of my life and my, my family and, and my holidays and, and my work, but at all, that's who I am. That's, yeah. you know. Um, so, but I, I, I like Instagram. Yeah. I, I, I'm very limited on my time on it now. I delete the app and dive back in a couple of times a day because I just found I was spending too much time just mindlessly scrolling and not paying attention to what any of it was. So do you have the app anymore? Or yep. do you, you download it? I do, have to re-download it. Every okay, time so that's a big process. It. So yeah, and it's annoying. So <laughs> just, it's deliberately annoying. Okay, yeah, yeah. No, I like that. Yeah. I, I guess you work these things out, right? Because I think the conversation we've had with a lot of people is about their relationship with things like social media, and some just have a non-complicated one. Yeah. Some have a really complicated one. Yeah. And then you got to put in the boundaries. Yeah. I mean, f- for you, Josh, coming back from the retirement, <laughs> I mean, you've gone full throttle. The foot is on <laughs> the floor. You're getting yeah. a bit. Oh yeah, God. well, Bray asked, like, while I was on my phone last night, what my screen time was, which was, I guess, oh, no. probably a reflection of how much time I'm spending on it. <laughs> but, yeah, no, it's in- no, it is interesting because I think we're all different as well. Yeah, so, the, yeah. I mean, this the, the advice culture that we're in mm. at the moment, it's like it actually, the opposite is normally true. Like our uh, friend Gemma Watts, like she's she spends heaps of time on yeah. Instagram and she's like, yeah, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't yeah. bother me at all. And that is 100% her job. Yeah. Like that's how I learn about Gemma is is Instagram. Yeah. And that's how I find people and it it's – I clearly had a problem because I've had to delete the app. Well, that's it. And like I look at – I was literally saying this to Tommy yesterday. I'm mm. like, look at how happy Sarah Holloway is and look how much she posts on Instagram. Surely I can post that much yeah. and still be happy. How much is she posting? That? A well, lot a or lot, a little? Like a, oh, there's I a post lot like of, once a week. Yeah, and so there's there's the, the spectrum, right? You can do – I guess there's there's an assumption that if uh, posting too much can be mm. bad for you, but there's heaps of great examples of people who are super fulfilled, super yeah. happy, serving their audience. Yeah, serve your audience, yeah. that's it. And I, I treat stories and, and real posts as very different beasts. Mm-hmm. So I do real real posts in a bunny ears there, um, you know, more rare and, and I sort of think about those ones a bit more and make sure that the photo's nice. But I am a huge proponent of recommending stuff. And if I find mm. something that I like, I want to tell people about it. And stories is a wonderful platform for yeah. that. I'm not telling stories. Like I think some people are brilliant at actually doing a bit of a narrative. Like I did this today and here's, what, oh, my God, and now this has happened and these are really good content producers. Ah, don't look for that for me. Just, mm. oh, my God, I've made a playlist. Why don't you listen to it? Or I read this book or this TV show is amazing or have you eaten here and – you know. It's that word of mouth, right? Yeah, That's, because yeah. I wish people would just fucking tell me that shit. Yeah. Especially when I was pregnant. I didn't know anything and I was craving that stuff. And and then when I fell pregnant, I had problems and so on. I'm just like, just do this. This yeah. is the pram you need. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about the other ones. Yeah. Just, you just want someone to tell you. And, and, you know, working in magazines for so long, you get used to being the editor for people. And I like being the editor for people if it can save them time and money. Is that your pushback on the no paid influencer stuff do you think your personal relationship with recommendations a pushback oh i don't really have a pushback i i just do it i've just all i think that again going back to why i started blogging mm-hmm. <clears throat> because i was writing for magazines and i was getting four pages per month in a huge magazine to write about beauty and it wasn't enough because i was just thrilled with beauty and wanted to write about it endlessly mm-hmm. so i just took it offline uh, took it private and started writing about it because i was like you ha- this is the red lipstick that you need yeah. do you even yeah. know and, and just going on these huge rants about just one product 
and and this was I mean paid nothing nothing was paid yeah. you know back then it, it just didn't exist but no I, I have a business that's mm-hmm. where my income comes from yeah so I don't I have the luxury of not needing to ask people for money to talk about things was I, that the I fork can in buy the road the yeah was that a fork <laughs> in the road though like earlier in the because I guess where with where the daily talk shows at we're trying to work out. How do we monetize? Like, yeah. how do we just make a living? How do we survive there's, while doing what we there's love? There's great ways to do it. And I think people just want you to be honest. Mm. Uh, that would be my main thing. Make your money. Like, yeah. the, to me, that like the, there's a huge feminist part of girls making money from putting makeup on in their bedrooms. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. Great. Do it. Um, and it's, it's however you want to roll. Making a business out of Instagram, I love this. Mm-hmm. This is wonderful. So do it. And I just think it's about being honest and 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 never, ever taking your audience for granted. I respect my audience yeah. and I'll always keep them aware of what I'm doing um, because I realise that you only have finite goodwill points. Oh, definitely. And um, so for me, I'm already telling them to buy a book, buy yeah. a moisturiser, buy this. Like, that's enough. Do you think that during your I, – I guess we have to – not make mistakes, but we go through when we push and pull, push and yeah. pull and work out what fits. Yeah, and you can mm. evolve. You can yeah. change this all the time. Like I might change my mind about this in a year's time. And and I think, you know, when you look at like for me it's newsletters. I think mm-hmm. I love good newsletters because I've cho- I've opted in and the content is useful and I really enjoy that. And I've brought it into my world and I like it. And I think there are really clever ways to monetize and you can just be really honest mm. about it. Like mm-hmm. this is paid for. Yeah. O- opportunities in life. So you could look at Instagram as an opportunity you could look at writing or making videos as opportunities to take you take you on what but what about what what's it been for you for, when it comes to creating opportunities in the early days um do you create opportunities or is it like that intersection of hard work and luck yeah well i mean if you believe in luck i believe in luck but it's the luck. harder you work the luckier mm-hmm. you get yes. sam Kavanagh, mm-hmm. jules Lund, they used to <laughs> yes. say that to me and and i get it yeah, I, I agree. i've taken an opportunity so it's an opportunity to use a platform like YouTube to make videos and then it, then it sort of gathers that momentum. What, what were the opportunities that you took up? Well, I found an audience. I found an audience like, cause I had the thing about magazines back in 2004, five, three, whatever, is that you, it was one way traffic. So you were writing and you had no idea if Mm. anyone was even caring, listening, what was resonating. Again, why I started a blog because I wanted to know what was hitting and I wanted to talk to people and I liked the, you know, there was no editor. <laughs> you could write forever. So I, I think before I was even aware of it, I was finding an audience back then. And that audience were, was was really instrumental in the rest of my career because I was one of those early adopters. And I think the early adopters had that huge privilege of just being first. Didn't mm. mean we were better by any means. We just happened to be first mm. at that time in Australia um, in terms of blogging. And I wasn't first on Instagram or Twitter or any of those things, but having a digital following was so useful when you start to when you launch a brand um or when you you create a book um and so i think opportunities come because yeah you work hard and you have an audience i feel like a real fraud i'm not i've never blogged in my life and i've got i blog therefore i am (laughs) and then yeah that's my cup Uh, (laughs) it doesn't actually hold that much coffee which is like part of the issue with them it's quite a narrow yeah a blogger needs yeah I just look like a real wanker to be honest (laughs) no I like it I think it's great it's your cup now (laughs) Um, yeah I mean mean, you're a craftsperson as well I think that's like part of it which is like the the writing and all that sort of thing it's not I want to build an audience Mm. it's Mm. I want to express myself and write and, Mm. and and that sort of thing I guess that's uh 
do you think that people miss the mark? Are there people uh, misinterpreting the building the audience versus the craft and how important it is? Great question. I think it's a marriage of both and I think you can choose to focus on one or the other. But I think, like I was saying before, for me writing is such a joy and playing with people. So when I construct sentences, whether it's an Instagram caption or a blog or in a book, I I do it to please myself but I'm also very aware that there's an audience on the other side of that. And I'm hopeful, and I love, and like even with Instagram, you get that feedback going. I loved this. This was, this worked for me. Mm. Whether it was Breakup Boss, which is the one I by far get the most content um, feedback back on. Um, but yeah, so I, I'm aware of the audience, but yeah. I'm still selfishly writing for me, and I do projects that I want to do. I think you have to. I think yeah. that's the selfishness of blogging is that you thought that <laughs> what you were writing was important enough that you had to do it every day. Well, I mean, I think it, your email is <laughs> a testament to that because whenever you send an email. Uh, it's always crafted so beautifully. I feel like whenever I'm writing back to you, <laughs> it's like there's always a, a level of pressure of being like, like, or not even pressure. It's the thing of like, oh, this is fun. Like what, like uh, you can have fun with the, the must, email and fact. stuff. Well, it's your, it's, it's your skill. It's, and for me, it, it doesn't feel like work. It feels fun. Yeah. And you're, you're a good audience because uh-huh. you're, you're playful and you're, you're chatty and, and, and so on. And you're in the media. So, you know, but, not every email to my team is that uh-huh. delightful. Yeah, sure. Sometimes it's just work. But I try and make it fun, you know. My wife's <laughs> comment about your content, because I asked her, she's not just coming to me, she says it's very, very – she, she, it's it's content meeting about <laughs> – Yeah, we do. We do. It's a, a pre-show catch-up. Yeah. She says it's very relatable. Right. And d- I think that, from what it sounds like, comes from you thinking about what is going on in your head and personally. Mm. And that's our best shot at – relating with somebody else is mm. talking about what's going on for us. One of the most relatable pieces of content on your Instagram is your bit about cold sores. Oh, me? Yeah, yeah. I know. I, I grew up. i got no problem with being the cold sore queen. Oh, my. i tell you who's the cold sore king. Michael Jacket, my brother. Oh, Jacko. Oh, my God. I didn't know. Sh- should see the family photo album. It's nearly oh. every photo the kid's got a cold sore. Oh, God. And I, and I got them and I just – and this is so unrelatable for you, Josh, because you don't, don't get that. He thinks, no, no, no. he thinks it's just this. You know the people that just do that to with cold sores? Bastard. Oh, you're disgusting. So, un- so discriminatory. It's it, horrible. It is. But oh, we can't help it. It's this full on. Like, I getting once got like a little pimple that I thought no, was a cold sore. Oh, you know when people think they're getting a cold sore and they're like, oh, you'd know. The thing me. in the corner of the mouth. No, you just That's just your low Yeah. Well, that's why I started having orange juice. Do you know what you need to put on that, by the way? Because I was putting other things on it. You need to put a bit of cortisone. Cortisol cream on there. On the corner of the Because I was like, oh, yeah, because you've got like a, you're eating bad food and you've got a deficiency. Or unleaded petrol, I believe, helps. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) tips. But growing up, I remember it was such a, such a, I remember I wouldn't go to school because no. of cold sore. It's funny. And it was then social death. It was the worst. As I've got, gotten older, I, I almost embrace them if I get them. I'm like, whatever. I'm, I'm kisses human. Me, kisses me on the lips. Like those <laughs> days. No, my that's too far. Mum used to kiss me on the lips because she knew that it would make me feel better. She's like, it's okay, darling, a little peck on the lips. I mean, so then that was yeah, a very relatable piece. That's very sweet. For, um, of oh, yeah. I mean, I yeah, they, they, they plagued my whole high school career and, and – I had one for the Logies a few years ago, which oh, no. was sort of my worst nightmare, that or a wedding day. Um, and as most people know, now that we've talked about it, we're bound to get one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's how it works. Yeah, well, but yeah. I know what works because I, mm. unfortunately, I live and I work in an industry where I'm not allowed to have a bad skin day. Mm. And people often, if they meet me, they're like, oh, I did my makeup extra nice today. And I'm like, no, 
uh, you look beautiful, but I know that you're scrutinizing me because I'm the one who's going out there going, hey, everyone, let's have great skin. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, but I was just like, I, I don't have time for cold sores. I have to find mm. a fix. And I do believe that I have. And I put it in highlights because everyone keeps asking about it. Yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> Which that, is so gross. So the, fi- the fix being the um, Famvir tablets. Yeah, take the antiviral tablets ASAP. Like I always have them on me and then the Compede patches. Yeah. Don't take them off. Yeah. Just for shower. Put them straight back on. Sorry, unrelatable. No, this is great. I'm so sorry to gross you out like this. is very It good. is. People will want to no, know. No, no, they do. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely do. The... Um, <laughs> Um, you were talking about the scrutiny of people looking at your face or whatever. <laughs> it's not scrutiny. <laughs> scrutiny is too strong a word. But, you know, I think that's the that's what's that's going to what happen said. if you put yourself – I did say that. <laughs> no, I did no, say no. that. No, for me to have said okay, yeah, But no, if you're no. going to put yourself out there and tell people what to do about with their lives yeah, and their sure. skin in their face, then, yeah. It's I mean, the personal trainer, you know. That, that yeah, yeah, exactly. You look to the yeah. person, Or the hairdresser. Yeah, yeah the yeah. hairdresser. Yeah. I mean, my hairdresser is bald. <laughs> yeah. Or, I mean, He's yeah, just gone. I'm yeah, not dealing with this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it does take the pressure off, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah. Well, there is something about, is there anything in life that you typically uh, undersell and over-deliver on? Like real, like, you know, it's a specific question, but I know when I was a, a kid as a freelancer, I was the hype king being like, mate, I'll have it to you Monday. And then Thursday <laughs> I'm like, I fucked up. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, are you good with deadlines in that way? Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, to, to write a book, um, you have to be good at deadlines. Although, I mean, the, the stereotype is that we're not. And um, I'm, I'm one of those people who can have per, uh, internal deadlines that I can stick to. Um, and I've, Actually, for the first time in my life in, in ten over ten years, I've gone off contract um, with my books, and I did that deliberately because I wanted to write fiction again for the joy of it and and the love of it, with no no marketing schedule mm. in mind. Is that <laughs> an upholder? Is that what does that make? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I am. Mm-hmm. What's nice. what's the value there? So <laughs> that you hold. No, does anyone know what that means? Yeah. No, yeah. no, it's the, um, the the four tendencies by um, uh, Gretchen Rubin. Is it yeah. Gretchen Rubin? Yeah. But I think at the, it's like one of those things of I'm a, Obli- well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm yeah, the one yeah, that yeah. like will do do stuff. I'll say yes, and then I'll get really annoyed about it, and I'll push back on it. But then I'll do it anyway. Yeah, but I'll right. be annoyed. Oh, I think that's called resentment. <laughs> Definitely, <laughs> I'm a good bit at that, that too. <laughs> so what? So if, so for me, I think it's um, like I don't like to say anything that I won't do. And so, and then yeah, I feel like. Yeah, that's good. That's a good thing to yeah, be. Yeah, it is. It is. But, but what I realise in a business partnership is that's not Josh's value necessarily. We've all got our own set of yeah, values, of right? And so it's like a partner. I pick I my battles. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know? He can hear you. It's just there. <laughs> what, what's, a, what's a value that you hold true to you, yourself, Zoe? Um, I, I just think if you're going to do it, do, do, do it well. Mm-hmm. Do your best. And mm-hmm. I, I have a, a, a hell no policy. So if okay. it's a. And let's sorry, the hell yes policy. So with my management, we get a lot of lovely opportunities in office, and I'm pretty much like, and it, I can't remember who it was. I think it was on Derek TV. Sivers yes. talks about it. Yeah, yeah from the, CD Baby. Well, him, yeah. yes, but then there's the seven. Uh-huh. So it's it was on another podcast. God knows which one, but they said, you know, think of this project out of a one to ten, but you're not allowed to use seven on how much you want to do oh, it. Oh yeah. And then you, if you're an eight, it's a yes. If you're a six, it's a no. Um, I like that. Yeah. I think Tim Ferriss talks about it. It's one of those. But it's not his thing. Yeah, but he yeah, talks yeah, yeah, about yeah, yeah. it. It's from someone else. It's one of those. Um, yeah, it's, it is a. It's Kevin Klein. It's a. Like yeah, that. it's a. It's a very clever way of um, distinguishing, like, yeah, the bullshit radar on, yeah. on things. And it's your own bullshit radar. But I've got since I've had children and I've got a business, I'm like, I just don't have spare time. So the mm-hmm. projects have to be pretty amazing to do them. Spare time. 
and friendships and all that sort of thing. I feel like as I'm getting older, I can't tell whether it is productive or un- unproductive to become more insular or just like, yes. like I've got this dream. You, you can of, think it's, oh, no, I'm just understanding myself yeah, more. Just deep work. You can, I don't you have can time write whatever, you, what, whatever <laughs> yeah. narrative you want for it. And so I'm trying to work it. I mean, what is that? What's your relationship with that idea? Heavy introvert and very mm-hmm. fine with that. Married to a heavy extrovert. Mm-hmm. And we sometimes just have a little alignment of that because like he could work a monster week and his idea mm. of relaxing after that would be to go out to dinner with 10 people mm. and mine would be put my soft clothes on and have a glass of wine and sit on the couch. Um, and so I, I sometimes just go, hey, hey, you married a writer who lived by herself. Yeah, yeah. Just remember who you married because that's, that's who I am. But I, I am aware that I can become quite a hermit, particularly when I'm writing and just being with the kids and the family. And so I went to an event yesterday of a friend's um, product launch, which I never, ever go to. And I always like sort of drag my feet. And then once I'm there and I get home, I made like, I got three amazing things happen. Like I was like looking for, you know, something and, and someone had a recommendation mm. and I met a great person and I'm just like, do that shit more. Yeah. yeah. Like you have to connect sometimes and not just on Instagram, like real life people. So it's about <laughs> pushing against what is natural to you? Like, you know, yeah. is, should the introvert be... Oh, trying to be an extrovert. Oh, but I can be. A, I think that we're all mixes. But yeah, I can yeah. be very extroverted. Yeah. But I just it's but just, just how you exhausting recharge. though. Yeah. I guess like one feels more comfy than the yeah. other. Well, naturally, I, I think you're I think, an extrovert, TJ. Yeah, I'd say. But I reckon I've started to become more since having a kid and doing. It's just called being tired. <laughs> I'm just tired, <laughs> and I want to go to yeah. bed. <laughs> but I, I definitely think ah, oh, I don't really want to. Yeah. I'm focusing on this, and I got my wife, and like that. That thought of getting home with my family is so lovely. Yeah, and do that. But I I think it's more – isn't it more how you recharge? Like that's the Mm. true definition of an intro and extra. I'm not sure. But you can go out and have an amazing day or time but then you've got to – like so if I do a day of press, afterwards I'm a shell. I can't talk Mm because you've just given so much energy all day. And I think that's true of anybody. Mm. But, yeah, I think it was a good reminder yesterday to sometimes just go, just get out there. Stop being such a home person. Is it booking (laughs) it in advance that gives you the anxiety, do you think? Like if you booked it out – Hate booking yeah. in advance. I, again, I don't. It's probably Seth who's, uh-huh. who says, you know, he, you, you can't book things that far out because you do. You look at your calendar and you're like, I don't have anything on in October. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I can do that. Oh, get, you yeah. get to October. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're very, very busy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I asked you about this, I think, in May. So, I, like, I, I, I did my own trick on you. <laughs> and we actually saw her walking past and grabbed her <laughs> to come in. But what I'm a, much more likely oh, to yeah. say yes that oh, week. hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Then far out. Yeah, it is because it's the anxiety. It's the thinking about it beforehand that sort of builds up. Yeah. But then there's also the other thing which like there's a certain trait and probably Haim would be more likely to do it and Tommy would do it as well which is um, just adding extra people to a dinner or something. Like for instance I'm like very funny with like (laughs) I did a world trip for three months with a mate and he did like that. He's like more is better. Okay. And it was like that's a nightmare. So it's like (laughs) anyone like if you – if you have someone, uh, if you're inviting someone to to dinner or whatever, it freaks me out yeah. if all of a sudden someone else There's has, has rocked up. Mm. Yeah, I think in my heart I, I'm a rules and a routine person and that makes me nervous when I've booked a table for four and that yeah. they can only fit four mm. and Haim's always like, don't be worried, they'll be fine, they'll just find another chair. Mm. And I always like it at the end. Yeah. yeah. I always <laughs> enjoy it but my brain resists anything that's yeah. outside of those. So is the resisting productive in any way? No, it's a total waste of energy. <laughs> Surely there's – I want it to be productive. <laughs> no, nah, it's not. It's stupid. Yeah. So with all my worry and my parental anxiety, like it's yeah. bullshit. As soon as you have a kid, yeah. I was never an anxious person. Yeah. And now I'm one of those people. Well, that, yeah, you can't – 
Yeah. You can't survive if you were to be the kid, like how much ambiguity is. Yeah, they're, yeah. They're just running around. Next minute, you <laughs> shut over there. And well, anyway, that's another story. I was more thinking about them falling off the plaything. <laughs> There's that breaking too. Breaking their arm. There's yeah. that too. Um, hobbies. Have you got any? And it can't be writing and it can't be. I don't. That's not a hobby. That's absolutely not a hobby. It's work. <laughs> oh, it's but good. it's enjoyable work. Um, hobbies is such an 80s word. What? Yeah. What does that even mean? Yeah, now? we like, actually looked it up. What hobbies meant? Yeah. It's what you do in the time outside the, your oh. spare time. So it's yeah. What are the things you do in your spare oh, time? I, yeah, well, it's just being off. It's just having no plans and mm. like on the weekend, the, our family are just pretty much at home the whole time or together on on bikes or you know going to have pancakes or something. We just in. Um, and I know that will change once the kids are doing sport and stuff like that, but we really love that stuff. And we see family and friends or whatever, but I don't like to lock in plans if I can. Mm. Um, I do a ton of reading because I think that makes you a better writer. Although it makes me jealous sometimes. <laughs> so good. I mean, what is that feeling? Because I've, there's been a couple of times over the last few months where I caught myself feeling down on myself based on someone else's success. Talent, yes. Mm. And I was like, and it was so, and the thing was that I was so happy for them and it was such a reflection like, you fucking idiot, why didn't you do this or oh, that? It's too hard. I mean, so how do you, I mean, how do you um, I, reconcile those I think it's inspiring. So I remember when Ham and I saw Scott Pilgrim years ago and we both sat there just clenching the seat going, fuck, so good. Yeah. Mm. And, and, and with, a, a piece of art or a book or a TV show, like Big Mouth, when we watch that, we're just like, oh, it's so good, or Russian Doll or Euphoria, you know, an amazing TV show or whatever it is, I get inspired by that. And I think it's that so funny you don't laugh because you're just sitting there going, okay, yeah. all right, this Respect. is great. This is going to make me lift my game. So I don't get down on myself. I just yeah. go, I've got a new, new standard now. Yeah. I and I, I honestly put myself in the most ridiculous company because I'm like, oh, geez, Tina Fey is good. <laughs> I should be better. Yeah. And, and I, it lifts me. It makes me want oh, to do better. It's Definitely. energy. It is. Yeah. If you're just looking at it, the negative or the positive, like it's, you so could what probably is energy? Then, yeah. So if you think about energy, because we're even talking about um, like Mr. 97 and I were to uh, talking the other week where it's like uh, I have moments of slight, uh, how would you describe it, TJ? You ex you experience me better than <laughs> I experience myself. Manic. Well, yeah, a little oh, bit manic. manic. A little yeah. bit like uh, we need to be doing this. We need to be <laughs> changing that, all that sort of thing. And it moves us forward and we like it gets us doing things, but it feels like and it feels sort of productive at the end. I'm like, oh, look, we got the thing done and like everyone sorted their shit out because I yeah. felt that way. But it would be nice if there was an easier oh, totally. way without having to like make people feel sick. Oh, I've got no yeah. advice on that because I do yeah. exact same thing. Mm. Yeah. So if I have, I'm one of those assholes that has an idea or sees something and, and emails my marketing director and goes, we need to do this. Yeah. And it will be great. If, and, and I just throw her sideways when she was on an amazing trajectory already that was well thought out and planned mm -hmm. and scheduled. And then, and some of those ideas, they do move you forward and yeah. they are clever and they're great. But it's that, you know, classic trope of the, the founder who's, you know, wild and can't be tamed mm -hmm. and has the ideas. And I reckon I have probably, you know, maybe 10 ideas a day and nine are stinkers, mm -hmm. but it's worth having the ideas just to move one of them forward. At what know. point do you know it's a good idea? And do you know it's a good idea? <laughs> if it sticks, like often we'll have a meeting a week later and they're like, okay, so here's the, um, here's the bones of the project that you're talking about. I'm like, what is this? And they're like, oh, this was the thing that you <laughs> wanted to do. And I'm like, really? Oh, I'm so painful. I, I, I would hate to work under me in those circumstances because it's, it would just be such a waste of energy. So now I'm like, hey, 
don't work too far on anything unless we've like really talked about it and I've gone, mm. this is great. I Let's mean, invest. what have, what have you learnt about yourself through having a team? Um, well, I've now got a, a, a marketing director who is so great and so experienced and so good at handling me and, and understanding when I'm just having a, like I'm just spitballing uh-huh. and when I actually mean it and there's a good idea. And it's when she picks up her pen, <laughs> she's like, <laughs> when she writes it down, I'm like, okay, that was a good one. <laughs> but otherwise she's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yep, okay. Um, so it is, it's finding people who um, understand you and know how to sort of read you mm-hmm. and... Yeah. Does it feel produ- like I guess part of it is that the, those moments of extreme anxiety or like having a certain energy yeah. gets the result that you want and so it's like working out if that becomes your standard then sometimes it might not feel like people are understanding how passionate or important you think X, Y and Z is unless you bring that no. energy. No, I, I don't think I feel that way. I think... Mm. Um, I often have my best ideas when I'm meant to be doing something else. So classic is sitting in the board meeting for go-to and they're talking about financials or something and I will have astonishing ideas at that time yeah. because I'm so bored. And and it's that thing of, of for a lot of people who, who are creatives that um, when their brain is meant to be doing something or it's going for a run or having a shower. Yeah. When your brain is busy doing something else, then the actual creativity comes. So I can't you can't sit me in a meeting and go, okay, what are we going to do for our next, you know, pop-up truck or whatever it is. I'm not going to give it to you in that moment. It's going to mm. come when I'm walking my daughter to school. Do you have more board meetings now just so you can have ideas? <laughs> yeah, they're like, all right, we're going to put a board meeting <laughs> yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've got it. <laughs> I mean, are these just stories that we're telling ourselves that this is the place? You know, it could be for when, you know, when the moon's over here and I've had half a cup of water, I can make the best videos. <laughs> you can tell yourself anything you want. It's rubbish. Yeah. Like, but I do believe that there is a lot of literature that supports that that brain switch between, you know, a, a rote activity and mm. the creativity coming. Whereas when you sit down with a pen and paper and go, I must be creative, it doesn't often hit. Is, there a, is there a way that you can get a perspective very quickly? Have you worked out a way of No, I need a bit of time. Like yeah. even a night's sleep. Mm-hmm. Like I had made a big decision yesterday and already this morning I'm like, nah. But I didn't tell anyone, yeah, yeah, so yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, well, this, <laughs> this is the first okay. moment. Oh, I didn't, didn't tell him about the idea. I no. Get, I get that. What about for your writing? You know, that's something that t- it takes a lot of effort to yeah. get into the headspace. Is what I think. This is my story right now. What is it for you as an author? Oh well, for nonfiction, no. Nonfiction is feels very easy. It's like writing a lot of columns or essays, mm. which I've done a lot of. Um, but I'm about to do fiction again, and it's been about six years, so I am feeling a bit nervous, and I really want to do something good. Um, and I'm telling myself it's going to be great. And so I just got to start. But I also, I, I'm making excuses. I'm like, well, I can't start until uh, this new product launches over because we're all yeah. very busy. Um, <laughs> and, you know, I just want to sort out Sunny School for next year. And then and then once that's done. So I am holding up. But I know also that once I'm in, I'm in and mm. I'm committed. And it's it's like when a, a fiction book is rolling in me, it's like I'm a medium. It, it's such, sorry, I wish there was a better way to explain it. But it's like the information just flows through me mm. and then so flow. It's, yeah, yeah it, it is it's flow. flow it's flow and like breakup boss I think I wrote most of it in a weekend and I think I felt in my waters that I was pregnant but I hadn't done the piss test yet with this was with Rudy yeah and so I knew that as soon as I got pregnant I would have morning sickness and I wouldn't be able to write uh-huh. so I said to him you're on sunny for the whole weekend and I just sat like the possessed and I got like 30,000 words out wow and but I, I think I just knew that it had to get done can you manufacture that uh no no. I don't think so. 
Um, I think it's no, I can't. And I'm a deadline person. Like mm-hmm. when the book's due, I can write yeah, like ten, twenty thousand words in it in two hours. I mean, two hours, two days, <laughs> just to get it done. But that flow, no, it's coffee, it's time, mm-hmm. it's space. And when you've got young children, to get that clean headspace to write fiction is mm-hmm. really hard. Consistency for us has been a big one. Just showing up yeah. and doing this show is, you yeah, know. Yeah, but well done. Thank, thank you. you. This is big. The rule is we can't miss one, and we yeah. and I feel I would feel so guilty if we miss one. I was one. like, what if oh, I yeah. cancel? Yeah, I oh, know. We'll, we will oh, still I'd, do I'd, it. I'd, I'd, stop the show. <laughs> <laughs> they talk about it. No, but We're I was like, done. what do they yeah. do? Because they commit. So no, we'd do it. Yeah, yeah do we still do. Yeah. I mean, we don't. Yeah. T- we don't. Um, like our um, mate Jordan Michaelides, he'd organised Gary V to be on his podcast. Yeah teased it oh no and then he fucking pulled the ping <laughs> and so the lesson it like yeah that's one of the lessons that we yeah. have which is like when we had organized Seth Godin in New York until that shit was recorded in the can <laughs> and ready to, to an existing click publish yep. we're not fucking talking about it no. because we we're going to jinx it so I mean, that. yeah, he's, he's the god of our house. It was, yeah, it was a bizarre experience. I mean, that could have gone pear shaped though. That could have been, yeah. I mean, we flew to New York for it. For, yeah. Well, I said we were going to be in New York. I said we're going to be in he New played York. It cool, like yeah. we're just hanging out. We're just going to be in New York at no, this the time. Best thing it was, uh, I didn't near your house. I didn't ask Josh if it was all good because you know when you don't ask yeah, somebody yeah. because you know that then they will be because Josh turns out hadn't emailed Seth until we were in New York. Oh, well, I didn't want to. I didn't want to. Overflowy's <laughs> inbox, and so I was just like, "Let's just be cool about it." What's the worst case scenario? And so, yeah, oh, we he's did. In Dan- he's in Denmark, and he can't. Yeah. Do yeah. It. No, well, he'd, he'd already he'd locked it in oh, a few okay. months earlier, or whatever. Yeah. And so it was all good as gold. In, and so I felt very confident about it. But it's it's interesting because it is that mm. uh, getting guests and getting people on board. There's a huge amount of respect that you need to bring to to all of that, and I guess that's part of it, which mm. is. It's not all just like uh, you can't always just be thinking about your outcome. Like so for us, we're thinking about uh, we need to know this sort of stuff. And for, for me, I was thinking for Seth, that's just another thing that he needs to re- yeah. respond to. Seth's another one of consistency. His blog oh that he puts God, out yeah. every day. What, how many words? 20, um, something million he said words? The other day. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Crazy, crazy. And he, and he didn't set out. He said... I didn't set out to do this every day and I can't remember the day that it became every day. Yeah. And for us, it, we, we can remember those times. But I think in, in bringing it back to the consistency, is there something that you've used, that mantra of consistency of showing up? and it's, to- It just all went out when the kids came because mm. I did have a great, um, you know, I'd get up early and write before emails started to come in and that's that beautiful quiet time in the house when, you know, you, I didn't even put my email on because email is the biggest distraction for mm. me to the point where I've got, you've seen, I've got yeah. out of office on saying I don't read my emails mm-hmm. and talk to these people, which is a great line of defense. Um, but yeah, I, I don't really have that routine anymore. And I used to do Saturday morning, six till 10, which was always a great time to write because again, there's nothing coming into your inbox and life's a bit less crazy than weekdays. But since I've had the kids and waking up early and being on them, it's not there anymore so I have to manufacture it and it's not when my brain operates best so I'm gonna have to be one of those people who wakes up earlier than the children which mm. is like oh, horrible that's, that's gonna be hard so what, is, what does that actually <laughs> mean for you then what do you well even if I did six to like 6 45 I could get some good stuff done because yeah. that is my flow time you just don't get it as a parent because yeah. <laughs> you actually got an external office for a bit didn't I you? do not yeah. got it yeah still got I it, have yeah. to have it yeah and I don't use it enough but the times when I use it it's the only way I got my last book finished yeah was to have that because, you know, I've got a two-year-old at home and if she knows you're there, she wants to play with you and I want to play with her. Yeah. 
So on the days that I have a nanny, I have three days a week where I can work and do my business and my writing and I need to do it and get out of the house. What what needs to be set up in the, the office space? What's the... What's the vibe? Oh, just a desk. I've written many <laughs> books at just a desk, but yeah. it's a nice vibe. Like it's because mm-hmm. I have my team have meetings there and so on, but it just feels nice. There's a candle and good Wi-Fi. Yeah. It's, it sounds uncomplicated. It is uncomplicated. Yeah. Because we complicate everything. Yeah. Usually. And that sounds really. Yeah. I don't need shit to write. I just need actually a laptop. Well, really you only need the pen, the paper or a laptop. Yeah. A laptop. Yeah. But I think it's the fountain pen. It's the moleskin <laughs> yeah, book. It's I, the actually, I'm shocking with actually writing with a fountain pen. Like my uh, my handwriting nice is horrendous, pen, but it is a nice yeah, pen. I, I like so I'm trying to push through pen. the um, the barrier of being a sh- of being teased. <laughs> yeah. but I think no, 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 it's doing bad handwriting that I can't read. <laughs> it sounds like the stage you're at with with the kids and and, and where you your previous routines that you it seems like you won't be able to use any of these excuses if you actually want to do it right. Nope. So I it's and, and maybe that's why I said I'll go off contract for this one. I don't want to be beholden to a timeline because it might take a, a very short time or it might take a very long time. But I think what I've got to do now is go back to compartmentalising. So I used to have a sit-stand desk and I would stand for comms and I would sit for writing. And then I tried two different laptops. So one was for writing and one was for comms. And I've tried to create all these things. And you listen to a podcast and you're like, that's going to be the fix. Yeah. And it's not. So um, <laughs> what I have to do is is go back to days of the week. So, you know, Monday is my go-to day and Friday can be my writing day and I have to do that and I have to do that and I have to commit mm. to myself, not to anyone else. That's fine. Go-to will always, I'll get my work done, but for the book, yeah. Mm. What about like um, the cyclical nature of creativity as well? Like um, I noticed that winter in Melbourne bothers you a fair bit being from Sydney. <laughs> it's like go away for it. That's much better. <laughs> I mean, yeah, has that been something from a lifestyle design point of view around creativity and what's important? I'm curious as to some of those non-negotiables throughout the year that you may have created. Oh, I think it's just a human, like I just need something to look forward to and to warm my bones because yeah. I'm not used to seven months of winter uh-huh. um, and low grey skies sort of do my head in. I think I do probably have a bit of seasonal disorder like I just I need for the kind of shit I do let's be honest it's frothy it's light it's fun and I remember when um Haim was doing a film in New Zealand in Invercargill which is um very very low and very cold (laughs) and very quiet and I went over there and I was I said I'll come because this is pre-kids and I was like I'll just come and write a book while you're there because you'll be busy all day and I'll just knuckle down and I realized very quickly that I need treats to work I need to be able to do two hours of work and then go, I've earned a croissant. Yeah, great. And go yeah, to a cafe and get that. I can relate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I do. And, and and I was in an area where I couldn't have that tr- like carrot dangling and I, it was terrible. But also I was trying to write, you know, I think it was The Younger Man and I was trying to write this sassy chick lit book and I was in a little bit of hell. Really? I, I mean, I don't think people who <laughs> didn't grow up in Sydney get it or if you've lived there. It, like Amy, it's, You my don't wife, really get a winter, yeah. It's so different. We lived in Bondi for a while. Oh, 3D yeah, Deal gorgeous. was up there on, on Monday and it was he was swimming at Bondi oh, Beach. No. It's winter, yeah. guys. It is a different vibe. I took all my jackets up there. <laughs> didn't wear one, one of them. What's the better city, Melbourne Oh, no, Sydney? I love them both. I won't be drawn into that because I think they're both. <laughs> I just <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> uh, no, I think they're both. Into, aren't we lucky to have two great yeah, cities yeah, that yeah. are so different? Um, but I'm here now and I, I never thought I'd live in Melbourne, but that's what happens. And mm. I honestly waited till I was six months pregnant before moving down. I'm like, fine, <laughs> I'll come. <laughs> but um, I'm here and I, I really love it. And I love the, I think it's a bit 
um, but more understated. And I think a lot of people moved to Sydney and particularly in the magazine industry, everyone that I worked with had come from Adelaide, Toowoomba, Canberra. I came from a very small town to make something of yourself, yeah. mm. you know, and, and so we're all there with purpose and a reason and um, I think in Melbourne you're all probably from Melbourne and you're just getting mm. on with things. Yeah. I mean, the, it's interesting that you didn't like uh, that experience of being in the cold because I feel like creativity – like I like the idea of it being pour, pouring with rain nope. outside. And Makes me I want mean, to sleep. Yeah, yeah. me too. I want, to, I want sunshine and to go for a run. So like LA would be like, have you ever done a stint in LA no. or anything like that? Actually, the last time I went was the first time I thought, okay. Because mm. I was in the cool, it was like Silver Lake and there's a lot of Aussies there and some mm. cool stuff happening there. I know I'm not new to figure that out. <laughs> but um, I'd, n- I'd always only ever been in you know, Hollywood and, and um, yeah, I always felt like it would be Hamish's work that would take us there mm-hmm. if he had to, uh, something that he was doing there. But, yeah, I, I thought I, I could do this. Yeah. You've done a little stint in New York. What do you, yeah. What oh, about? that killed me. <laughs> what do you do in, in terms of? Um, I love New York to visit, but it is a heavy energy city in terms of like you give so much to that city and it takes so much from you and you get so much from it, but that transferal at the end of every day just shattered and we had, you know, Rudy wasn't even – oh, she just turned one and my son was, you know, high-energy four-year-old and I was trying to launch the brand over there and then work with the Australian team overnight on a big launch back here and I just – you shouldn't combine work and holiday and mm. family. It was a shitty idea. What's your relationship with journos? Because during that time I remember Haim saying, oh, yeah, we're going on a, this holiday or whatever and then you read it in the news. It's like <laughs> – uh, they're, moving. The place, yeah, they're moving to New York and then the next the, the next headline is they've decided to come home. No. I'm like, that's what happens when you go on a holiday. I mean, yeah. what, what what's your uh, relationship with with journos? Um, as people? No, as, as in <laughs> as like I press. guess, I, yeah, the press, I guess that sort of broader sense where it's like do you constantly have to worry about the things that you're writing online and how no. that's going to be interpreted? Oh, sorry. You, you can choose to give energy to it or not yeah. and that was a lesson we learnt. Um, and some of the things we did was we would just not engage. Mm-hmm. And um, what we realised is that if you don't know it's being written, it doesn't exist. Mm-hmm. And I think we live in a small pocket of media world, like a lot of our friends and we're all sort of in the media. So we, we sort of keep track of it. And, but outside of that, no one really knows what's going on and um, nor should they because yeah. a lot of it's bullshit. So, yeah, I guess when I write a post, my main thing is I don't want to ever um, offend or upset anybody and I keep my Instagram and my copy and my work light and happy. Yeah. And I do even get criticised for that because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it's like, oh, what about real life? And I'm like, of course I have real life. Yeah. But um, what I choose to show you guys, and this was like as a beauty editor, you got dressed up every day and you had to look like a beauty editor because you mm. were representing the magazine out in the world. And I feel like that's what I'm doing on Instagram. I'm dressing up for you and I'm, I'm that's what the face that I choose to show to you. I, I look at some of the articles that may be misleading and I click through to the journos and I sort of go down the trail to see the young journo it's written a hit piece or something. I just wonder if they obviously don't have the mantra of being nice to people, don't mm. write things that aren't. Well, they're doing their job as well, right? And so the problem is they're, they're on a learning. It will be a hard learning yeah. curve, though. I think you know yeah. it's, it's. Well, what are they getting? What are they getting? Um, Who's teaching them? Yeah. Like, what are they mm. learning? Really, it's it's. I mean, I feel like the metric is so um, dubious because it's based on clicks, attention, and. Um, what is most outrageous? What's going to inspire the biggest, mm-hmm. you know, click? And I think that's a terrible way to learn journalism. Yeah. I think it's a really mm. um, poisonous way to learn how to write. So I I feel sorry for them because my training as a journal was learning in a team of collaborators who were putting together a magazine and, and, and working together to be better 
to yeah. do good work. Mm -hmm. And so I know that they need a job and I, I hope that they find a better one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. What would you say to, um, I mean, you're getting a lot of requests and just sort of that inbound stuff of whether it, you know, be brands or people reaching out for a bunch of different things. What is the, what's your um, thoughts or mantra around that stuff that maybe you could pass on to people who are wanting to reach out or requesting things from, um, you know, people within the media? Oh, I'm a terrible one to ask because we have a, we don't accept mm. unsolicited stuff. Yeah. We don't need it and we don't want it in a house. So, um, yeah, it's a funny one. I think if something's good, it will find you. And I think, you know, um, I do want to help out small business and so on, but um, I think people's etiquette is missing yeah. a bit. But I also realise that I personally make it hard for them because we won't accept it through our management mm. and, you know, DMs. Yeah. It's not the way to mm. – it's not professional. Yeah. Oh, the amount of people that had DM'd Gary V and said, <laughs> can I have an internship? Like one yeah. guy oh. even got up and said, I'm the guy from the DMs that you said no to. <laughs> yeah, Sorry yeah. about that. But I guess the thing is that um, the, the empathy lens is people just don't know what the fuck they're doing. Everyone's yes, just yeah. sort of trying to – we're all trying. trying to do it. And so, it, it might hit. Yeah. You never know. And and so and what's the weapon? Like if you were to say like, hey, this is actually to enable people to be better, is, the, is there an answer? Oh, I don't know. I, I feel – I think you just have to believe in your work and do good work. As mm. Someone asked me the other day, uh, a barista, she was like, how do I get my graphic design out there? What's the thing? Mm. And I remember a lot of young writers would say to me, how do I get my work seen? And I was like, start a blog, start a blog. And this was a long time ago. But I always believed in specificity. So just be the person who writes about chalk peanut butter brownies. Be that person mm. and be the best at it. And be specific because generic is not going to cut through. No one needs another food blog. Yeah. We want just the brownie girl. Um, so I said to her, you know, oh, what's your Instagram? And she said, oh, I'm not, I don't really have one up to date. And I'm like, no, <laughs> first thing people are going to look at, yeah. you have to make your portfolio so good. And I said, and what we get is a lot of beautiful designers is that they'll design our go-to products. So they'll draw it up in their specific way and then tag us. And I'm like, that's clever. Mm -hmm. Show us your work. Yeah. Don't ask something. Don't ask us to take you on yet. Let us see your work. How do you know? Let us find you. How do you know when to do the ask? Because I think one of the things that that's hard. Like mm. Tom, the feedback that we Tommy and I get all the time is how underleveraged we are. Mm. Not like um, in regards to the network we have, because we respect like the people who we're connected with. Mm. We're friends with. We want to be like. It's not transactional for mm. us. Uh, having you on the daily talk show is about actually having a conversation. Mm. It's not about trying to push our numbers up. Which is the why hope. I'm here. Yeah, Because exactly. you can tell that. You can feel that. And so, I mean, how do you um, how do you think about those things? I'm wondering if there's any clarity that you have on that stuff. About 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 the knowing when to ask. Yeah. So I guess there is that, like, mm. especially coming from well, the uh, from yeah. the Monday thing, which is just like. Uh, tall poppy syndrome, like you need to get out mm. there and all that sort of thing. Um, whereas we're coming from it from the thoughtful lens of we're planning on doing this show for 10 years. Yeah, At what so, episode do we ask? So yeah. you could do 400 and then you go, no, nah, 500 is the number, then we might start trying to pull in favours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And is that the right number? Yeah. Is yeah. it 600? And so part of it is a level of Im not imposter syndrome but just being like, oh, we haven't arrived. Like but I we think that that is enough yeah. for people to understand. The fact that you guys are mindful of that and that you don't want to call in favours, mm. that speaks volumes yeah. because – 
people can sense when they're being used mm-hmm. and people can sense when – like some people will write to me and say, I have a small business. It would be really helpful to me if you could post about it. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I know <laughs> that it would be helpful. It would be very helpful to me if Kim Kardashian would use GoTo. Yeah, yeah. But you have to do the work and get noticed and, and, and be, you can't mm. – I think there's this shortcut um, culture now because of DMs and things like that where people just go, I've made a thing yeah. and you're a famous person. Uh-huh. I'm going to connect the two. Um but having said that, sometimes it flies. Yeah. But I think most of the time the work has to do the work, not the ask. And yeah, you have to earn powerful. the ask if yeah. that makes sense because like I think back to – I think and the sense of entitlement that some people come through with, whereas what I would ask like when I was very young and working for Mia Friedman, I was like this the whole time like, ah. Oh. And, and I think that respect for, for people who are able to help you um, and able to offer you advice and so on, it still has to be there. Yeah. What do you look for in a young person that joins the go-to team? Well, we just hired and I look for talent, obviously. I think you can train people to do anything. Was it hard? So talent, is talent hard well, it was skills? Copy. It was copy. Okay. So it's obviously something I'm very um, <laughs> hardcore about. So you're looking like, for a hard <laughs> skill, obviously. Yeah, I'm looking yeah, for yeah. hard uh, – well, I'm looking for talent. And, so, skill. and I think because it, so the difference is – are you trying to get – if someone writes like Zoe Foster Blake, is that what you – like I could imagine because you've got such a distinct style, if I was a copywriter going in there – Don't write like me. Yeah. No, I, no, I no. think I think that, that that could be an easy trapping yeah. for people of like oh, I'm going to – if I can write something that sounds like Zoe, yeah. that's what Zoe's going to want. <laughs> Which I would understand that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Um, but I think what you had to think about was more the brand. So we gave – we set up the – parameters for this person or these people to to write about and we said here's what it is this is the product and this is the launch and we gave them a scenario and then we let them go and then those who showed promise I was like okay now I'm going to teach you the words I would never use yeah and just to help you know what I'm looking for and then by that second round beautiful what are some of those words oh I it pertains to a new launch, so I can't talk about it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's sorry, that's such a silly answer. But there are, I have pet hate words, and I think because we, I mean, the go-to tone is its own tone. Yeah. But it's, it's come from my brain, obviously. But now the girls and the, well, the women, sorry, that that write for go-to have mastered their go-to tone. Would you ever say silky skin? Silky, okay. <laughs> Silky's fine. Okay, what is sil- I see, the s- yeah, silky, silky skin? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So my baby's smooth. My baby's bum. It's more like yeah, words like you know, we we don't say babe. Okay, yeah, sure. You, know, you have certain tone uh, for each brand that you, you have your words that you do and you don't. I mean, that's what Frank Body would like. Yeah, is, and that's um, their word. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. it doesn't necessarily um, hit with everyone. I know mm. like Brie was always like, it doesn't sit with yeah. me that style, but it will sit with other people, yeah, which is totally. really interesting. Um, I've had a few businesses and I've thought about in the past uh, tone of voice and how do I find that. What's, what's your suggestion for someone who has a product and they don't just want it to be a box. They want it to well, have I think personality. Frank is actually an excellent mm. example because they knew their tone from day one and they mastered it and it, it's perfect and you know the tone. Straight yeah, away. The yeah. fact that we straight away all just went, oh, yeah, that's Frank's word. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big tick. I think someone – I think oh, it's a funny one with tone because a brand isn't a person. It, it doesn't have a tone. You, you're giving it something. And I always make sure that anyone who works with GoTo has a name and a face when they're writing back to people like, hey, it's Gemma here or whoever mm. it might be. Um, so tone has to be authentic. You can't sustain it if it's not. Mm. So whatever you're doing, it should be just – it should just flow. It should be yeah. who you are. And it depends what your product is. Should you be putting your name – sorry, sir, I think about like uh, branding, having my own company. It's a different name to me. 
It's a separate entity. A separate entity, yeah. but humans connect with humans. Yeah. Yes. And so yes, 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 I don't yes. want to call my company my name, but then does the brand, say if you do have a business, big media company, is it just us? Is it actually just Josh and I? Is it mm. our voice? Is that what we should be pushing into it to then create its identity or its tone? I think so for you too, I would yeah. say. Yeah, I would say so because people know who you guys are and they already like it. Mm. So that you've already got that base there. And so is there a is there a move, I guess, on that scaling piece? People, uh, people who create businesses that scale would say, okay, well, you can't uh, – we can't lean on one person. Like we know that the daily talk show, there's no exit strategy for the daily talk show because yeah. it's because it's us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is, is that been a, a conversation? Well, this is for our work week. This is when yeah. I learned this because uh -huh. Tim Ferriss taught me about an automated business mm -hmm. because everything you do as a writer and or as a com comic or as a, a, an actress or a TV presenter is you. You're the only yeah. one who can do it and that's actually not a great way to ever give yourself a break for mm. one thing. So GoTo is now my automated business. It has a lot of me through it obviously and I'm front and centre but it can run without me Yeah, and that's a huge relief um, because now when I do write a book or something that can only be done by me, uh, it's sort of more enjoyable because mm. it's it's me. It's back to me. The, different things. I think it's uh, – did the US market push that even further because I guess the – your um, status within the US versus the Australian market, did you feel like was it an opportunity to say, okay, uh, am I going to push myself forward as yeah. the, the thought leader within this yeah. or am I going to talk more about the product itself? Yeah, great question. And we had to get advice on that from our US agency, but the position was very much that you need a founder. Like when, if mm. you've got a talking head who's got experience in the industry, that's far more valuable than just going, here's a brand and fall in love with it. So you need that founder to handhold and bring them through and go, this is my journey, this is why I created this. And particularly if you've been in the beauty industry, that adds that level of credibility. Um, so, yeah, they were all for it. And they were like, you're so cute and different yeah. <laughs> and, like, you have short curly hair and you're not like the other founders. That so was that that video? Because I, I remember distinctly the video that you brought out where you got the coffee yeah. cup and you're walking around. It felt like an international play in some regards. It was for Sephora in the US, yeah. yeah. So it was very, we had to very quickly and visually um, and tonally present the brand in like one minute and uh, it's not something we were used to because you got to mm. remember we were direct to consumer so we had a direct line back and forth with the customer and suddenly we're now like going into a store and we're like with an American customer who's never heard of us and doesn't care um, and we're trying to very quickly cement our tone and that we're different. So it was a good challenge. I think mm. we got there. I think yeah. we made it clear that we're Larrikins and we're Aussie and we're silly but our stuff actually works. Did they point out anything that was sort of in your uh, blind spot based on being in Australia? Um, no and, and I think America, that's why America is the first market we chose to go into because the tone, the sense of humour does work mm -hmm. and obviously in England it would work but I think if you were trying to crack the Asian market perhaps a lot of the translation like of our slang mm -hmm. and all the makeup mm -hmm. words, the, the, I make up so many words that have got through, yeah it would be tricky. Well, I was listening to um, Gemma Watts, uh, her podcast with the founder of Bondi Sands. So it was interesting yeah. how he was really talking about that Australiana yeah. or like pushing that the Australian tan. It's very trendy mm. right now. Yeah, I mean, was the Bondi one specifically? Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah, the Melbourne tan is horrendous. Very <laughs> <laughs> um, fly, yeah, would it? No, absolutely not. Imagine um, the product called St Kilda tan. <laughs> St Kilda tan uh, looks like a latte, that sort of colour. Um, and so, good. Yeah. yeah. So what's what's the um, 
or your th- thoughts on their perception of Australia and what sort of products the Australian market uh, make. And I guess the other point is like Rode, the microphone brand, which is all these mics, mm. they actually have a fancy on the O, it looks like some sort of like Swedish, European yeah. sort of thing yeah. as a way to look oh, more right. Euro. They're an Australian, they're based oh, in Sydney. Funny. They manufacture in Sydney. Mm. Um, what was that for you? What was the thought process for you with that? It, it was funny because A-Beauty, which is the thing now, which is like, because it started with K-Beauty, which is Korean beauty, and Koreans sort of changed the whole skincare market around a couple of years ago. And now A-Beauty is a big thing, which is great for us. And Frank bought another Aussie brands um, because Australian beauty is having a moment. And when people think of Australian beauty, they think of, you know, kakadu plum, mm-hmm. you know, domestic ingredients that we use from, like, I think they think that it's just we go out and get some shrubs and put them up like this and there's a lifesaver and a kangaroo walks past. And like it was actually funny to see some of the articles written because they're still using the tropes from like yeah. Crocodile Dundee. Yeah. Um, but, Perfect and yet, shrimp on a barbie. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. But our skincare is so sophisticated that they appreciate it and they like it and they're talking about it and using it. So we, we, we're grateful. Yeah. What does premium mean? Premium? Yeah, to you as a brand. Oh, um, the go-to? Yeah. As a brand? Oh, I don't think of us as a premium brand. Mm. I think of us as a premium brand internally because our our quality control and our products and our ingredients are of such high standards. Mm. But in terms of where we placed ourselves in the market and our price point, we wouldn't be considered premium. Yeah, it's interesting because like so much of that is also just like marketing as well, like yeah. the difference between premium, like you'd be yeah. using the same product. We could use the same yeah. vessel and the same lotion and change the label and we could call ourselves premium and yeah. charge $40 more. But I came into GoTo going, I just want skincare to be easy for people and I want it to be accessible and relatable. And you don't get that when you're charging $90. Yeah, absolutely. Zoe Foster-Blake, thank you for coming coming on the the show. We can Um, eat these now off camera. (laughs) Well, yeah, that's a thing. It's like we've – We've had some pretty crazy stuff that we've eaten on Fat Fridays, which mm. is uh, hungry, shrimp on the barbie. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, no, haven't done that exactly. yet. <laughs> uh, but thanks for coming on the show. My super uh, pleasure. If you want to send us an email, hi at thedailytalkshow.com. Uh, we don't get many emails, so we respond to <laughs> Well, we've, we now respond to them. There was yeah. a time about a week where we weren't actually getting emails from uh, a oh, stuff. We stuffed it. Um, Zoe. Uh, recommendation for book. I know you like recommending. Mm-hmm. What, are you, what are you reading at the moment? Um, well, Small Giants for people mm-hmm. in marketing business. Um, and I've just finished Three Women by Lisa Toledo, which is fantastic. And it's amazing. But I won't be the only person to tell you that. And Euphoria, far out TV show. Once yeah. Upon a Time in Hollywood, recommend it? I would. I'm not convinced. <laughs> yeah, no, no. I would. But I, I'm sorry, this is the problem with expectation because everyone's like, it's the best one Tarantino's yeah, ever yeah. made. And I've got Kill Bill in my mind and I'm like, that's phenomenal. And it's just slow. Yeah. It's a slower pace. Yeah. Less violence. Three you don't what, You don't like, do you, you don't like watching long films? You, do you have a, a no, short attention span? No, it's not that. I, I, I appreciate a good edit though. <laughs> yeah. um, so no, no, I, I do have a small attention span. I do because I'm always tired by the end of the day. <laughs> uh, if you've uh, enjoyed the show, screen grab it, share it on Instagram so we know you're listening. Uh, otherwise, we'll see you for weekend banter on Saturday. See you guys. Catch ya.